six will look like when Evgeny Malkin comes back is some fun to speculate on. Not nearly as much fun as the bottom six, though. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins are taking on the Islanders tonight at their new home, UBS Arena in Elmont, New York. And yes, it is Elmont, even though it's associated with the Belmont Stakes. Just had to throw that in parenthetically, something I learned in the newspaper business forever ago. Belmont Stakes are in Elmont. Elmont is not in Belmont. (laughs) Anyway, how the Penguins continue their, I can call it a resurgence, I mean, when you're down to the extent that you go through a 2-6 and 2-funk, I don't care how many guys you've got out, you're still going through it. You're still losing way more than you win. So what they've been able to pull off here in winning now four in a row and giving up only two goals in the process is that's a resurgence. That's a resurgence. And throughout these four games, including the the three that I covered up in Canada doing that whole trip for DK Pittsburgh Sports, almost all of the discussion before, during, and after was about the way the team was defending. And, of course, within that, the way Tristan Jari was playing goal. Both are very much valid topics probably the main topics out of efforts like those. However, however, along the way, they have continued to get scoring from sources that could not have been characterized before the season as being uh, slam dunks to produce goals. But here we are. Right now, 19 games into the schedule. And once you get past Jake Gensel being the team's leading scorer, eight goals, eight assists, 16 points, even though Jake got off to a really rough start uh, coming off COVID, your next guy is Evan Rodriguez with seven goals and seven assists. Dude's never had more than nine goals in an NHL season, and he's been around for a while. And he's had chances. And he's never done anything like this. And when, then when you see the quality of the shot that he made to beat Thatcher Demko of the Canucks the other night, you realize that there's, there's something more there than some, you know, squirt bug time killer on the fourth line. He could play a little bit. Next Leading scorer, third on the team's list, is Danton Heinen. Six goals and three assists. I've done all my penance on the Anaheim guy front. I'm not going to go over it again. But when you see not just the number of goals, but again, the way he has scored them, they have been 
pretty confident-looking authoritative shots, including the one the other night to win the game in Winnipeg. He didn't mess around when that rebound came out to him. He put it upstairs over, arguably, the best goaltender in the Western Conference in Connor Hellebuck. Teddy Bluger's next. Then Brock McGinn. They both have five goals. Teddy, you kind of come to expect that he's going to have some production along the way, but when you have five goals in 19 games, you're on a 20-goal pace. That's not something that has a precedent with Teddy. It does with McGinn, but even then, McGinn's been really good. And he's been good in a way that I feel like has gone mostly unseen because he was supposed to be the Brandon Tanev replacement, and he doesn't look like Tanev. You know, he's not flying around, bumping people. Uh, he doesn't have that turbo appearance to him. But what he does is intelligent things with the puck. And he is capitalizing on his scoring chances. Keep going here. Guys with four goals. Jason Zucker, Kasperi Kapanen. Eh, Kapanen, we can get into that another time. You know, three of them came in one game. Jeff Carter has four goals. How many guys have I mentioned here in total here? Let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight guys with four or more goals a quarter of the way through the season. Know who I haven't mentioned yet? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, this is where this starts getting a little bit fun. And this is where you can take a negative like being without a superstar or two superstars or at different points of this season, all of them, and make it into a positive. Because guys did get chances. And in more cases than not, they seized them. Think about it. Think about it from the opposite perspective. Uh, who really blew it? You know, who really wasted their chance? I mean, I can come up with a a name in Drew O'Connor. The way he started, you would have hoped he would have stuck. Looked like a young Kevin Stevens out there. Started getting a little fancy, started doing some dipsy-doodle stuff, got away from the straight-ahead game that was creating most of his chances, especially in the preseason. But he's not exactly toast, you know? This is a child. He's going to be back. And when he is, and when you see more guys scoring, uh, including guys that are not really secondary scorers, but more primary scorers, like a Brian Rust, there's a chance you're going to see a Penguins team unlike any that we've seen in a long time in this regard. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the very busy people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they are committed more so on Thanksgiving than even any other day to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. And if you follow their work on social media, as I know a lot of people do and, 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 and I do myself, you can really appreciate 
how much that has to get ramped up over a holiday that, at least toward how we celebrate it, is about the actual food. Amazing work by everyone at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. If you'd like to be part of this effort in general, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org and spell out all of those words, pittsburghfoodbank.org. Sid's got one goal. Gino's got, you know, zero. And Rust took a long time to get his second. And um, he had a great reaction to it, by the way, the other night after the Vancouver game. Um, first of all, thanks to you guys for not bringing it up before tonight. Um, <laughs> But second of all, um, I think he just, I've been there before, gone through streaks where I haven't, haven't a producer, I haven't played well, and um, you got to just kind of stick with the process. You almost got to just uh, simplify, and you just got to keep working. And um, I think that, that uh, I tried to do that, and um, I was uh, rewarded with the Golden Knight. It was definitely, um, if you couldn't tell by my celebration, it was a, a bit of a, a relief for sure. You know what's funny? I, I I could consider myself guilty as charged for not having asked Rust at any point about his slump while it was ongoing. Know why? I didn't realize it was. <laughs> I he does so many things right for the team, and his effort is never, ever, ever called into question that he could go through 15, 20 games and I wouldn't notice except maybe peripherally, that he hadn't scored in a while. But once he gets one, and you know what I'm about to say here, if you've been watching his career, he's going to get a few. So if you have your top two lines set up, presuming, of course, Crosby, Gensel, Rust, Malkin, Kapanen and Zucker at least to start, although if it sounds like I'm cringing as I say that, I am because I want Jeff Carter in my top six and I am not at all sold on Kasperi Kapanen in that regard. For that matter, not sold on Zucker in that regard either. But now take your bottom six that's left. Look at the names. Look at what they've done to date at five on five, which is the only kind of ice they're going to see now. The, you know, the days of Evan Rodriguez on the number one power play unit are likely over. So they're going to have to produce at five on five and solely at five on five. But look at the options down there. Look at the players. Bluger, Zach Aston Reese put home his first goal the other night. Uh, as well, and he, he he's never going to be a big scorer, but he's going to get you 10 to 12 over the course of the year. He just is. And all of his are going to be either five on five or shorties. So you've got Bluger, Aston Reese, McGinn, Rodriguez, Carter if he's there. Uh, other guys, if they're dropped in favor of, of Carter. Heinen is there. You see what I'm doing here? 
I've already given you enough forwards that one of them's got to be a healthy scratch. That's that's something. That's not even accounting for you know O'Connor or or anybody else who might work their way up from Wilkesbury. There's a depth of scoring that hasn't been here in a long time. And when I say long time, I mean really long time. Because if you go back over the tenure, over the Crosby slash Malkin era, you're always going to find that the scoring was top heavy, top six heavy. They've occasionally gotten some contributions from the bottom lines, but for the most part, that's where they stored their penalty killers. Not now. These guys can play. These guys can play, and it gives the whole team a different look and feel. When we come back, just one question. question that's brought to you always on this program by fubo tv the monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks fubo tv is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels including at&t sportsnet pittsburgh and right now fubo tv is offering our listeners a seven-day free trial and 15 percent off your first month just visit fubotv.com slash dk our j1q comes from Mike Bordenaro, who asks, how do the Pens get Gino to buy into the style they're currently using with great success once he returns? I can't wait to see the trickle down of him centering the second line. <laughs> well, Mike, the first segment just went over everything on that front. But to your question there, to the main thing that you brought up, I have a feeling this is going to continue to get brought up into infinity because we've seen so many examples to be fair of Gino coming back and fouling up the waters where everything that you saw this team doing and everything that you saw Mike Sullivan prioritizing and everything that you saw the team's remaining stars the active ones dutifully executing night after night, and then 71 would come along and throw some lateral pass across the red line and give up a two-on-one, and you'd go, what the heck? You also have to look back at what Gino did last season, meaning the abbreviated 2021 season, once he returned and played on that bum knee, the one that would need a significant surgical procedure after the season. Look at how he fit in then. Look at the plays that he was making over all 200 feet then. Look at what he did in the playoff round against the Islanders, and in particular in Game 6 where he was head and shoulders above everyone else on the rink, either team. And then you've got the answer to your own question. He's already been through it. He already asked himself 
the same question that you just asked, and I know because I brought it up with him. I brought it up with him uh, several times in the past, but again in 2020. Are you going to be, in essence, the one who messes this up? Because this is really looking good. And he knew that. He was aware of it. Mike, they all are when that happens. I've shared the story here previously, but I'm going to do it again. After the Penguins won their opener in Tampa this year, this season in October, I was riding the elevator down with Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and Zach Aston Reese. And you could see in their eyes, they'd all been, of course, sorry, I need to explain that, healthy scratches, which is why they were up in the press box. And you could see in their eyes that they knew what their teammates had just done down there, in particular with Sid and Jake because they're offensive guys, they're star guys. You can just get the sense that they're aware that, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been like that if I'd have played. Gino's experienced that for a couple of years now. There's an inner pressure as well, meaning from inside the team. He knows about it. He also knows he's not a child anymore. And he knows he has to embark, if he hasn't already, on a different kind of phase of his career. Something, again, he and I have discussed. Uh, I refer to it as a Sergei Fedorov phase, meaning the later version of the great 91's career, where he became principally a, a two-way slash defensive guy. Gino has always had that gene. He's always been the guy, not a lot of people realize this, who leads the Penguins in takeaways at the end of the year because he's got that long active stick in the defensive zone, and when he puts his mind to it, he actually is a really powerful presence in his own end. Short version, Mike, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Way more important than that, infinitely more important than that. The Penguins aren't worried about it. I'm not sure that you should be either. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins all week long. Hope you had a terrific Thanksgiving. We will do this again Monday.